0: What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Damp Valley coming at you with another 2022-2023 NBA team look-ahead. We are on, at long last, to the Toronto Raptors. I, am te- I am, have the distinct pleasure of speaking with Amon Adden. She is a co-host of the Dishes and Dimes podcast writes for Yahoo Sports Canada and Basketball News. Follow her on Twitter. She's a fantastic follow, not just for the Raptors, but the entire NBA at large, at Amon Aden. That's at I-M-N, I-M-M, double M, A-N, underscore A-D-A-N. It's also on the screen if you happen to be watching on YouTube. Um, and it's also in the podcast description as well if you need to go check that out there. I have many questions about the Raptors, but the most important question I will ask you, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Uh, we were just talking about how we had this long, in air quotes, off season, and it felt like it just flew by relative to the past two off seasons, which were actually shorter. And one of them was basically not even an off season at all.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, those last few years are so weird. I'm so glad to be going back to like regular NBA programming.
0: I am too. Um, I did tell you though, like I don't know if I'm ready for the regular season this year for some reason. Like I just feel like I don't have a great hold. I'm so high on every team. That it's just like, this isn't okay. Every single team, I'm just like, oh, they're going to smash their over. Forget the math. Everyone's just smashing the over. So I don't know what's wrong with me this year. I'm too optimistic, apparently.
1: I feel the exact same way. And, like, I know this is my bias seeping through. But, like, especially so with the Raptors. I'm like, Tampa? Throw that out, right? Like, bubble were throwing out for everybody. And I'm like, last year, they barely had fans in the arena for half the season. Like, this is, like... The full true season. So I'm like, scrap everything that happened the last three years. This is it. So
0: I'm Yeah, and look, it. they do. I mean, to be fair, they have probably, if not the best, but like one of the three to five best home court advantages in the league. So to not have fans is like a pretty freaking big deal. And to get, <laughs> to get them back um, has to help out.
1: I don't know if you saw it, but like, you know, like the, the GM survey that came out. Yeah. <laughs> which everyone loves every year. Uh, so they, um, it was like, who has the best home court advantage and the Raptors were number one. And I'm like, this is a troll job because they didn't have fans in the arena last year. Like that's gotta be it. And I hope that that is true. I'm going to pretend that that's the
0: case. Uh, hopefully they put that thought into it. I'm just still that survey among the many things. I'm still trying to grapple with Anthony Davis being voted as like a breakout player was in like the top five. And then I know he was good, but, the second or one of the top three defenders in the league, Andrew Wiggins. I just was like, okay. First of all, clearly, Precious to Chua at this point. So
1: obviously, obviously, um, I love that. Um, so, like, people were bringing up like years past, and they had like, uh, who, what player would you want to have on the team five years ago? And five years ago, the answer was Josh Jackson,
0: who was. I felt that in my bones, too, when I saw that. I was like, you know what? Half decade ago, me was probably so drunk on Josh Jackson.
1: <laughs> Which, on the Raptors roster. So, Masai Ujiri, once again, finding a way to win. Uh,
0: and look, they're going to just turn people around. We I mentioned before we started recording, too. Uh, the 12-month about-face on Precious Achua went from one of the worst basketball players alive to, well, how many All-NBA teams is he going to make for his career? Um, so, I, I wouldn't put it past the Raptors at this point. I did want to start by asking you, if you just had any thoughts or general impressions about their offseason that are, are sticking with you uh, entering the, the regular season.
1: Yeah, I mean, they stood pat pretty much just in terms of like if you're looking at the East landscape and you're looking at the Atlanta Hawks and what the Cleveland Cavaliers did. Yeah, the Raptors got out out of border. And that I think is a great get for the Raptors. <laughs> it's so funny because like I feel like for years people are like, well, the Raptors need a big, the Raptors need a guard. And like constantly what Messiah Ujiri and Bobby Webster do is go out and get the exact same guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and that's exactly what they did this last offseason. And um honestly it's it's what I expected for them. And just to plug something that'll be dropping either tomorrow or Monday for Yahoo Sports Canada, I did I'm doing a video essay specifically on the fact that for the Raptors, then building is standing pat, uh, and just keeping their options open because prior like prioritizing flexibility is what they're doing, um, while like all these other teams kind of lock themselves in and give up their assets for Donovan Mitchell or Dejounte Murray. The Raptors are like, no, <laughs> that's not what we're here to do.
0: And so then you weren't surprised that they weren't more aggressive in you know, non KD division just because they were clearly tangentially mentioned in that. Um, you weren't surprised that they didn't like more aggressively pursue another like ball handler shot creator type. Not Even if all. he was under six seven,
1: not at all, and for that specific reason, I think that like if they were if they're going to consolidate their pieces to go after that guy, it's going to be that guy. And like that's no disrespect to Donovan Mitchell or Dejounte Murray. I just think you know we've seen it with the Raptors before when they went all in, it was for Kawhi Leonard. And like I feel like I'm not sure that the, you know there's another Kawhi Leonard on the horizon. There's been rumors that they're interested in Shea Gilgis and I can see them probably giving up picks. I'm a huge on Shea. So I can see that being a a move that the Raptors make. But in terms of like what was available to them this offseason, I think standing pat is what made the most sense and letting their 6'9 ball handlers develop as opposed to bringing in a guard who you're going to have to put the ball in their hands and take away from Scotty and the greatest player of all time, Precious Achua.
0: And what's interesting about the Kawhi sample is there was definitely like the emotional toll of having to move to Mar Rosen, but the actual opportunity cost relative to what these teams are giving up now for stars was nowhere near what the Raptors would have to fork over right now for a Donovan Mitchell.
1: Yeah, it was a, a couple of things. One, one, yes, the cost was not at all that. Like, I love Jakob Purtle. Would love to have him on the Raptors. That was someone that I was interested in them going after. Um, He's taller yeah. than
0: nine, though. So is that allowed or...?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. That's a I'm good waiting for question. Christian Coloco
0: to get waived for being an inch too tall or whatever he <laughs> winds up being. Uh,
1: future All-Star Superstar Christian Coloco. Please. <laughs>
0: are you one of our <laughs> YouTube commenters?
1: For... <laughs> they are pretty his...
0: bullish on him. Sorry, go yeah. ahead.
1: No, I'm saying we need to use his full government name, which is Future All-Star Superstar <laughs> Christian Coloco.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned building for the Raptors is getting better. So what are you looking to see from year two Scotty Barnes, who I think, aside from Pasco Siakam and maybe more so than Pasco Siakam, you could make the case as just the single most important player to their trajectory right now?
1: I mean, yeah, I, I would agree with that. But also, even with saying that, I'm kind of like, have fun, Scotty, um, <laughs> just because there are so many other pieces that are um Here's the thing. If Scotty takes a big leap that we're sort of expecting, if it happens in his second season, great. I think we're just fast forwarding the timeline with, mm-hmm. you know, the Feb and the Pascal Siakam's who are 28 at this point. But even if it doesn't happen this season, which I'm not necessarily expecting to happen this year, I think that we're sort of looking at guys like OG taking another step. I think Gary Trent has a lot riding on him this season to take that extra step. I think for, for Scotty. Ideally, he improves his ball handling. Ideally, he improves his playmaking. I think we're going to see a lot of reps with him and the bench in sort of those hybrid lineups because that's what you sort of project him to be. And in the starting lineup, it was very clear at times that he was like... I don't know what the fifth option would be. Quadriary? No, that's four. (laughs) I don't know what the fifth option would be.
0: Quintentiary? I don't even like it. (laughs) Quintentiary?
1: (laughs) Um, But it was quite often. And I think that what you're wanting from Scotty Barnes is a little bit more aggression because you don't want him to fall to being the fifth guy. Uh, So just more aggression. And from him, improved ball handling, improved playmaking. We've seen it a little bit in the preseason where uh, Nick Nurse has him running with the bench. And the experiment has not been great Um, from Scotty Barnes. It is a learning process. It is a growing process from him. I think the first game of the season, he didn't go for a two for one, which like if you're in the Raptors world, that's like the biggest sin that you can possibly do (laughs) is not go for that two for one. And like, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan (laughs) of it because like oftentimes you're getting two terrible shots. Um, But when you're a team that struggles as much in the half court as the Raptors do, maximizing every single offensive possession that you can get is key and like mm-hmm. just little learning things like that that you're seeing from Scotty Barnes that he just doesn't have the feel for necessarily um maybe Delano Banton also future superstar all-star maybe does but um so yeah For Scotty I think the growth is in his playmaking and in his ball handling and knowing when to be aggressive but I don't know that we're going to get this major leap from him that people are expecting I think we should probably temper expectations and handle him with a, a little bit of kid gloves.
0: And he's working from such a it's the same thing with Cade and Mobley where you would they get better, but they're all working from such this astronomically high baseline. How much better are they supposed to? It's not going to be that typical year two jump. So I'd agree with you there. And so I guess I had this listed later on, but you would be in favor of even if there's a struggle. Let's go the baptism by fire route and still play him in lineups where he's the primary ball handler, because when you watch him, you can definitely see how he benefits from being on the floor with a Pascal Siakam or a Fred Van Vliet but it's probably let's just go through these motions and like all Scotty everything for at least like some stretches of game even if it ends up sucking
1: yeah and I say that because like they're not looking to contend this year right like this isn't they're not it's not the Miami Heat it's not you know a team that is watching the clock sort of take down because they're aging out and need to you know do something and I think people point to the ages of Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, but like Maybe with Fred, there's a little bit of that there, but with Pascal, I don't, what does him being 28 even mean? Um, So I I think that because the Raptors do have time to develop, I don't see this as like a non-development year. I think some people were like, last year was your development year. This is your year of putting everything together. I kind of look at this year as like a a continuation of last year, which is such a bold statement to make, but um, I I, I think that it's going to be a little bit of trial by fire, but um or baptism by fire but at the same token what we saw at least in the preseason is Delano in some of those lineups with him and we got to watch them sort of work off of each other and that's something that Nick Nurse does really well like he did that with Fred VanVleet and Kyle Lowry's just you're going to have them sort of play off of each other so one might bring up the ball on one possession and the other might do it on the next and doesn't really nobody knows who's necessarily a point guard in there but I do think those hybrid lineups with um, Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi sort of with the bench is what I would like to see. I know we're probably going to get to that in a little bit. I'm jumping ahead a bit, but yeah. Uh
0: So is this the year that we see OG Ananobi take on and succeed in this larger offensive role? He's made incremental steps and then expansions to his game, but when you're looking at decision-making on drive, sometimes like the handle there too. Um, Is he capable? Uh, he threw... um at, is this the year that we get the bigger role from him on offense where it's sustainable and you look at it and you're like okay like this is I feel like every year with OG Ananobi is oh no this is the year that it's all coming together
1: yeah this is the year that it's all coming together um, <laughs> I, I do think a lot of it does sort of fall on like what does Scotty Barnes look like if we're not expecting that major leap from him well that's going to be more touches for OG Ananobi um but also one of my sort of Like when we're talking about what this rotation looks like, when you have so many guys, you can kind of do the same things and everyone has the same dimensions. Um, Looking at what the roster and what the rotations actually look like, to me, Scotty and OG have talked about how much they enjoy playing basketball with each other. Scotty says OG's his favorite player. OG's the one person that he'd want at any point in history on his team, they're like, I'm Michael Jordan. He's like OG Ananobi. <laughs> so, um, so, and, and their chemistry already on the court is really great. And for OG Ananobi, I think, yeah, you mentioned it, that the handle's not completely there. Uh, the playmaking ability is not completely there. And I think he's sort of your play finisher and you want to develop Scotty Barnes is your play starter. And so, those hybrid lineups that feature both of them, and you get your shooting from OG Ananobi, um, and he gets to sort of be featured uh, as part of the offense without necessarily starting uh possessions and just sort of finishing them like a Gary Trent in the starting lineup, I think sort of benefits OG Ananobi. Uh,
0: he, OG Ananobi had this like kick out to Gary Trent Jr. against the Bulls that made me swoon. And I watched it like 32 times because it was just it was like controlled chaos with the way that he threw it but then there's also just sometimes he'll be in open space and like he'll throw the ball away somehow and i just can't i i'm i'm still a believer but i was like such a bullish believer heading into last season and i guess the stop and start nature of his season made it hard for me to like get higher on him but that is just my biggest question there it would be like to be able to streamline I think for both him and Scotty Barnes, if like, that's the way you're structuring your bench units that you're alluding to is yeah. a bunch of re- or three reserves with OG and Scotty Barnes that, you know, might make me a believer more so in both of them at that point.
1: It, it was last year is so interesting. I don't know if you're hearing an echo here. Is it just me?
0: Uh, I do not hear. An echo. Okay. Good. Do you hear um, me echoing? Is that with the I hear is?
1: myself echoing, but that's disappeared. Okay. We're good. <laughs> um, uh, I think for for someone like OG, I was going through the numbers because I was uh, working on something um, about him to start the year. And my gosh, like I don't know if you know how like bad some of those numbers were. He was in the 11th percentile in terms of like efficiency and ISO possessions <laughs> in the regular season, which is like not ideal. Um, and And then as a crazy person, I decided to go through and watch what each of those possessions were. <laughs> I couldn't do all of them. There were 101 oh possessions. I did not do all of them. I stopped after the first couple of games, but I just assumed that a good chunk of them came at the start of the year when Pascal was down and a lot of the offense ran through OG Ananobi. And in those first two games, he went two for 17 um, on what you would consider like sort of self-created baskets, right? So um in any sort of self-created, and it was like. It was brutal to watch, but also the spacing on the court disastrous. Mm. <laughs> and so, like, um, they were starting Goran Dragic at that point. They had literally four point five basketball players um, that could that could play. So I'm like, how much of that is noise from? <laughs> Two for 17. We're talking about 101 possessions, not a whole lot, not a giant sample size. And when your first few games, I, I stopped after that point. I was like, I know this is going on to like game it five. Was self-harm like, at seen. that point? That yeah, it like it was it was sadistic. Um, and so, or is it masochistic? I don't know which one is for yourself. Both, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I stopped after that point, but just like watching it, I'm like, okay, how much of this is just ugh, OG and anobi can't really do this for himself versus okay he's really operating in absolutely no space and just with three basketball players around him at most um and then in the playoffs we saw that really uptick we saw him and granted we're talking about now like 20 possessions but we're talking about like 83rd percentile which is much better um but regardless it just showed that like when he's playing around and i'm not taking those numbers really into into account, just as like the beginning of the season, I'm kind of trying to dismiss. And I think that like the truth lies somewhere in the middle with OG Ananobi. And I would like to see him create a little bit more for himself and show us what he can do. And I think the best way to do that is in those hybrid lineups with the bench. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting, but I, I think that Scotty and OG are who you kind of pair together and you let them run with, with the bench guys.
0: What does Pascal want to be a top five player in the NBA? See, what does his next gear look like? Does he have a next gear? And if he does, what does it look like?
1: So um, I am incredibly high on Pascal Siakam. I feel like with with Raptor fans, and I'm talking like I'm so optimistic about this team. Lord knows what what's going to happen this regular season. But like, whereas I feel like lots of people are high on what Scottie Barnes can do this year or high on what OG Ananobi can do this year. I'm kind of like their question marks and they've got a lot to prove. All my stock, <laughs> two guys. Precious Achua being the greatest basketball player of all time, but maybe not this year. <laughs> um, but like a lot of it is in what Pascal Siakam can do. Now, top five player is a, a, an astronomical leap and something that I know, probably not. But um, in order to get to that point, what he would need to do is develop a pull-up three. That That's it. Like if he can do that, and he can just absolutely be unstoppable. In fact, like looking at OG's numbers... <laughs> in iso situations and like some of his pull-up numbers made me really appreciate what Pascal Siakam was able to do in negative spacing (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was just like oh Pascal's pretty good um when I saw what what OG's numbers sort of looked like there but I think for Pascal if he's looking to make that next step it's really that and um honestly like looking at his pull-up his pull-up numbers were not bad last season from two (laughs) <laughs> they were bad. I'm three. <laughs> and if you're looking at that bubble year where he, you know, broke out and was an all-star starter and an all-NBA second team player. I think a large part of that was that pull-up three-point shooting was much better at points in the season. And and that's what made him look like a superstar. Last season was a better season for him overall, if you're taking into account the entirety of his game. Um, it was very like in season in that second post-Kawhi see that first year post-Kawhi Leonard, where he broke out he was really inconsistent, which I think is something that like doesn't really get taken into account where it'd be like one game. He might have 30 points on like 50% or 60% shooting. You're like, Oh my goodness. And then the other like two games right after that, it might be around low forties and it wouldn't be as high, but it would sort of balance out to being pretty much the same numbers that he was able to put up last season. And last season, I think he was just a lot more consistent and he was able to do that with limited spacing. Uh, His pull-up numbers improved. His ISO numbers improved. he, in terms of like how often he was doubled, I think it was like first, second, or third most in the league. It's pretty high. Yeah, up he was there. up
0: there when I was looking at that. Yeah.
1: It was it was pretty high up there. And what he has done really, really well as a credit to him, is playmaking. Um, as someone who watched a lot of DeMar DeRozan, And granted, he's become such a stellar playmaker, but part of it was you'd get trapped and it would look like you would watch his brain just shut down and being like, What do I do? Um and uh you've seen that improvement from DeMar DeRozan and that's a complete testament to his game but with Pascal Siakam you're already seeing it there's the, it just the offense really does flow and that's where OG's able to attack that's where Gary's able to attack that's part of how the Raptors run their offense so with Pascal I think he's really improved all of the other aspects of his game I thought he was one of the Raptors most impressive defenders at large points last season despite being their leading scorer so for him if he wants to elevate himself into being in that category of top 5 or top 10, it would have to truly be that pull-up three-point shooting.
0: I caught a lot of shit on Twitter because I was, I'm still trying to decide where my MVP pick is going to be. And I was weighing Stefan Giannis and my two dark horses were Zion and Siakam. And I got a lot of pushback on both Zion and Siakam, obviously, because that's how those things work. Uh, If he has a pull-up three though, and given how well he defended last year, and I feel like some of the stuff he does on defense fades into the abyss because of just the Raptors having all these like-sized players who are wreaking havoc all over the place. Um, I think he could enter that discussion. I just don't. The pull-up three stuff, um, and he shot, I think he was at like 36.5 on catch and shoots last year from deep, which is like, that's fine. You'd like it to be a little bit higher. Um, Why have his like pull-up three-point attempts actually dipped? Is it a function of his role, the spacing? Like when you go back a couple of years, he was up to like two attempts a game, then it dropped. And last year, I think he was at like half attempt or like 0.8 attempts per game or something wildly low.
1: It I I do think that like it, see that that's going to be one that's going to be one thing that sort of op- changes the Raptors' offense. I think people keep pointing to like why don't the Raptors run a lot of pick and rolls? Why don't they? And I'm like they don't really have anyone who can pick and pop. Like none of their bigs can actually like you trust them taking that outside shot. If he can show that he can shoot off the dribble from deep and do that consistently, I like. Yes, he enters that top five. He enters that MVP category, and I do think for him, I think a drop in it was just the Raptors' offense as a whole. And and also, like to point to those numbers that you were talking about two seasons ago, I think one thing that people sort of lose is like he came into that season, or he came in that offseason, his goal was to truly improve his three-point shot, and especially off the dribble. And he had a full summer, kind of he had a championship short in summer because of the, because of the championship but that was his like at an actual summer to work on that mm-hmm. and then these last two summers he's had none like we talk about how short it was for everybody else but he had shoulder surgery last year so he didn't have anything and then the summer before that was the Tampa year where everything was sort of out of whack for the raptors specifically more so than any other team and so he this is his first actual summer uh he also had a groin injury so this is the first actual summer to work on his game and he's been doing that all year with rico hines and i think pascal knows that taking threes off the dribble pull up threes um needs to be it. and even his catch and shoot numbers they're a little bit funky yes they're not bad but they were not bad from the corners (laughs) and i think that sort of brings it up um and everywhere else and even in this preseason (laughs) the Raptors I think it, it's it's um it's been sad to watch the three-point shooting and it's kind of tempered my expectations a little bit with this team but I think hopefully as things start to roll around it'll be a lot better but with Pascal Siakam I think the shot is the main focus of his game I think that opens up the entirety of the Raptors offense if, if he does bring that in
0: so do we just buy Precious Achua as this ultra switchable rim protecting rangy defender who can bring the ball up the court, jumpstart the offense from the top of the key shoot threes. Like, are we just, are we buying this out? And has he somehow like over the past few months, just gotten a lot faster with the ball in his hands. I was watching a lot of the Chicago, like I think it was the Chicago game. And I'm just like, I don't remember him moving this quickly with the ball in his hand. I don't, I mentioned this already. I don't remember in recent memory, a player's perception who has changed more in the past 12 months, Um, For me, at least then, like this Precious Achua, I just like you said, he was considered a zero level score at some point last year. Now look at what he's considered
1: a zero level score, which is like the funniest and meanest thing that you can call somebody. But um, was very true for Precious Achua in in his rookie season with Miami. He made one three, one three. And then post all star break for the Raptors in his second season, post All Star break 40 percent on four attempts per game what <laughs> like, like what like what does that even mean um but beyond that has he gotten a lot faster like uh, okay so i say that i speak fast precious and she will play how i talk like it's i sometimes i'm like i need to watch a game at 0.75 speed because And i think the last time we were here we talked about how i watch everything kind of sped up too because everybody talks to you you're you're,
0: <laughs> wa- you're like Netflix watching habits, whatever you want to call it, or like that is gnarly, okay. sicko behavior. Two times speed <laughs> or one point five times speed. I'm on like one, visual stuff. That's why.
1: If it's a documentary, documentary, it's something about people talking. So where I'm just like, all right, let's go. um But <laughs> like not a not a scripted thing. You know, uh, I'm just picturing I'm like watching movies person. on like two point
0: five times speed. <laughs>
1: um but no he he plays at two times speed it's a lot of fun to watch and I basically anytime that I was in front of a microphone last year I was like listen this is the thing about Precious Achua he reminds me of my niece who was a toddler last year she was two years old uh sorry Precious Achua but this is the most apt comparison I think anyone can make and that's like anytime I saw her she, like, completely developed into more of a human being than she was the last time that I saw her, even if it was just, like, two or three days ago. So, like, I would see her and I'd be like, you can use those words. Like, you can string a full sentence together. You can stand up straight and walk. Like, um, And that's what it's like watching Precious Achua play basketball, where you're like you didn't know how to do that yesterday like like, you really did not know (laughs) which is like I think it's the most apt comparison that you can make especially since she was like the toddler of the basketball world and like his trajectory has been insane and it really did start with you know shooting threes in the corner and then he expanded to the wings and then he started taking them at the top of the key and like it started to expand that way. And then I think it was Nikias, um, it was Nikaias who wrote this brilliant piece and he was talking about Precious Chua as a terrible finisher. Um, like all the, all the areas that Precious has improved, but one of his sort of drawbacks is the fact that he finished on par with like a Fred Van Vliet, who is a foot shorter than him and <laughs> one of the worst finishers in the league. And and then the playoffs came and he was hitting Joel and beat off the dribble. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, what is the trajectory of this man? Uh, and all that's to say, Precious Chua is kind of like, He's just fun. Um, I don't know what he'll become. I don't know where he ends. He might be the greatest basketball player I've ever seen. He might be the zero-level scorer who just sort of rebounds into what he was, but is an elite defender who can play every single position, is quick enough to hang with guards on the perimeter, is strong and big enough to be the Raptor sort of nominal five, even if he is only 6'9". Defensively, he's shown that he can be everything, and offensively, the growth and the step that he's taken. I Honestly, last season... If it was Precious on a fast break, it was a turnover. You didn't know how. You didn't know how. You were like, is he going to dribble off his foot? Is he going to (laughs) throw the ball away? Like, how it would happen would be a complete question mark, but that it was a turnover, guaranteed. And so for him to go from that to, like, the Rapt- I, I don't know that the Raptors are necessarily still trusting him to bring them all up the court. That's like, you know, two weeks into the season, I feel like he'll, he'll grow into being that. But um, as of right now, I think he's shown um, not just the ability to take Joel and beat off the dribble and finish over him, but uh, has just shown such improvements in his offensive game that don't quite make sense. And I don't know how much stock to take into it. Cause like if I'm being serious and not just buying into all of the Precious hype, which my heart really, really wants to do. Um, It's such a question mark because that 40% shooting in the second half of the season, how much of that can we truly, truly take on? Um, And like his finishing ability has truly, I think we've seen it improve. There was this one push shot that he had against the Bulls that did not go in because he just left it short. He rushed it a bit because that's what he is, you know, tends to do. But it was such a beauty how he got right in front of the rim and had this like behind the dribble, like, did you, do you remember what I'm talking about?
0: The one thing I was going to mention was, I feel last year, like, he took five shots from mid-range all year. And then I feel like I've seen him take 15, like, spinning yeah. floaters in the preseason. And I have not watched much of the preseason at all. And I'm just, like, I don't understand. I don't comprehend. A toddler.
1: A toddler. Right. Like, yeah, if you miss a week of his life, of his basketball life, it's <laughs> a different person. Um. um yeah. But he had, he left it short. He left it short and he still kind of does that. You're still seeing him make those sort of minor mistakes where he rushed it. He thought someone was behind him. He forced it a little too quickly and he left it right at the rim. But his ability to get to his spot, get directly in front of the rim and have like he, if he had just taken a a breath and you know, it was a push shot. um, It would have went in, but that from someone who can still not catch a oop that's not a part of his game at all. <laughs> like, But can take someone... Like, can bring in moves like that and just sort of work off the dribble in that way. Is, it's why I don't know what to make of Precious Achua. And I don't know that anybody... If anyone tells you they know what to make of Precious Achua, they're lying. Like, who knows?
0: Yeah, his, his skill set at this point is just, like, very indescribable, I guess. Or, or the ceiling on it. Uh, if it sustains, though, like, through the, this season, like, what everyone thinks he is now, I, I just... I don't even, I'm running out of words. I can't even put anything. What
1: is he right now? Like, is it, is it the 40, the 40% three-point shooting? And is it, you know, he's shown that it's not just in the corners. He, you know, expanded his range quite a bit. Is it adding that? Because if he does that, I think the Raptors, like wherever sort of level you put them in, if they can add another Even if it's not 40, even if it's in the high 30s, I think that kind of changes the outlook of the Raptors when they started off the season with three people that they really trust from deep. And then if you add his like ball handling and like still not an elite playmaker, but just like the The breaking down the defense
0: when they're set stuff with the ball in his hands, it's just I that's. I'm, that's what I'm struggling most to wrap my head around. If he's doing that. It doesn't uh, make
1: sense, which you're like, if he does that, I don't know. Hashtag all NBA vote. What is it? Hashtag NBA all-star with NBA vote. Like, NBA I vote. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to make of Precious Achua, but it's, it's a lot of fun to sort of watch. He's kind of, and I think a lot of guys are like this for the Raptors they are kind of the cherry on top. When we're talking about your Scotties and we're talking about your Preciouses, I kind of treat them like. I think with Scotty, you know that his growth is going to change the trajectory of the team and you kind of expect that he'll become, you know, a, a, the Raptors are hoping that he becomes their superstar one day. Doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be this season, but whatever he becomes kind of changes what the outlook of the team is this season. And and so that's kind of like the cherry on top necessary for this season specifically with Precious. That's a complete i That's a complete cherry on top. If he becomes a superstar, great. (laughs) That would be
0: one of the most (laughs) unlikely superstars. Let's just say he makes an all-star appearance at some point. That immediately becomes one of the most unlikely all-stars in NBA history.
1: He was when we say zero level score it sounds mean but it was like it you see his impact on the defensive end was apparent right away and like the fact that we like the team has Og and and you talked about it with Pascal Siakam on the team and we're still talking about Precious as probably being their best defender um and I, I don't know what to make of that but like it might be OG it might be Precious but like the fact that he's in that conversation and it has a real sort of Case to make um you know with his ability to guard the fives although og can do the same um it it, like to add in the offensive part of his game (laughs) breaking down the defense like just uh, honestly that push shot just lives in my head rent free right now um and i'm so glad he didn't hit it because i would be um making his mvp case right now
0: (laughs) um Moving on to the other MVP case we need to make. Malachi Flynn breaks a bone in his face, and then Delano Ben becomes a future superstar after that. He did have like moments during the early portion of last season where it was like, oh, the Raptors found someone else. Again, uh, I have not gone back and watched nearly as much of him as I have as Precious Achua, because one, why would I? It's Precious Achua. He's must-see TV. But what has most impressed you about him in the preseason? And then the other thing is, do you think that he's now sort of guaranteed himself a spot in the rotation, especially because... When if the Raptors start um, the lineup that they they plan to, you don't have any ball handling really come Well, I guess Precious Achua. You don't have any ball handling other than that coming off the bench.
1: Yeah, I think he's. I think he's guaranteed himself a spot on the roster. And it's unfortunate for Malachi Flynn because you know for someone like Malachi right now, in order if you're not a six nine guy <laughs> with, uh you know the wingspan that Delano has, which is like seven two or something crazy, um you need to be able to shoot as well as Fred VanVleet in order to secure yourself a spot on the roster. So when we're talking about like who the backup point guard is going to be or who your ball- backup ball handler is going to be, I don't necessarily know if there's a spot really for for Malachi Flynn on the team unless he does what Fred does, which is, take 10 threes (laughs) and make 40% of them. Um, Unless he can do something like that, I just don't really see a role for him moving forward with this team. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Um, And so that just sort of leaves complete room for, for Delano Banton, who my favorite thing about Delano is this Raptors team, in order for them to work, because they do struggle in the half court, they struggle in half court that they don't have enough shooting. In order for it to work, you really have to push the pace. And that's what all the guys should be doing. That's what, you know, you know, Scotty has kind of struggled with it a little bit with those outlet passes. I was watching the heat <laughs> preseason game yesterday and I was just watching Kyle make them with such ease. And I'm like, Oh, I miss this. But, um, you know, Scotty sort of struggles with it, but something that uh, that's something that, you know, is a priority for the Raptor starting lineup. And still, when Delano comes into the game, you see how much faster it is. Like, his ability to just, to completely change the pace of the game and go from, like, fast to super speed is a lot of fun to watch. He plays with this sort of frenzied energy that completely shakes things up, which I think is, like, fun for your backup point guard to do like how like I feel like that's sort of like a rare thing in the NBA nowadays with something that maybe uh existed a while back where like the continuity of like this fast pace goes to this like it changes completely and you lack that and you have this change of pace as soon as um a guy like Jelano comes in but it's also his poise um which is sounds weird to say when I'm talking about a fren- frenzied pace but watching him with Scotty and Watching him sort of be the, the the playmaker on the court and watching him sort of direct where things go and, and watching the offense run through Delano, it felt like, okay, he's got a better flow for this than a Scotty Barnes, but then you also watched him play alongside him and run along the wings and do a great job doing that. He's shown that he has this ability to get to the free throw line, which is something that the Raptors severely lacked last season. Um, he's also taking mid-range shots that I didn't know he had the ability to take um so I think just like the the aggression with which he plays the frenzy pace with which he plays and the size that he has he's not great defensively but it, like when you're 6'9 and have a 7'2 wingspan you kind of just work you know what I mean right. he might just get like he might just accidentally make his way to four deflections and sure steals are not defense but like it helps it helps when you want to get out and transition and, and run. So yeah, I think he secured his spot on the team for sure. I don't think that's a question anymore. It's kind of left to the other guys. And I think he secured his spot in the, in the rotation.
0: We've mentioned the half court offense a bunch of times now, and it was, it was bad last season. They were good at getting um, second chance opportunities, but they were not good at converting them. And I think that getting out in transition, being able to at least hit the offensive glass, it helps paper over that in the regular season. When teams become more targeted with how they're defending you and just the talent level goes up in the playoffs, it becomes a bigger issue. And so we've established the half-court offense is a problem. Is it fixable with the personnel that they have?
1: Um, I think that truly depends on what you think a Scotty Barnes can become. When we're talking about... um it it truly depends on how much three point shooting you're going to have it truly depends on you know like i said they don't really have a pick and pop threat so the, the reason why the raptors don't have their big guys really you know run any sort of pick and rolls cuz no one is going to care <laughs> like the defense is not was not going to care at all um and they also don't have a rolling big <laughs> <laughs> so they're lacking both the both parts but um uh, i think for the raptors in terms of like half court sets it will be a problem there. Like I'm high on this Raptors team in the regular season. I'm not very high on them come playoff time. And that's particularly, particularly the reason why. Um, And I think it depends on what Scotty Barnes truly becomes. I think it depends on like, can you keep Gary Trent Jr. And what does he sort of develop into? Like a lot of these guys are young. And I think for starters, it's going to be three point shooting. Um, That's what it, like, it sounds, it, feels kind of reductive to just, like, reduce it just to the three-point shooting. But, like, that really does change a lot of what the outlook of this team is and really changes how other teams are going to guard you. It's so much difficult. It's so much more difficult when you have to guard four, six, nine guys and they can space the floor. Like, that kind of changes all of it. So, yeah, it does kind of seem reductive to just, like, point to three-point shooting in terms of, like, how to improve their half-court sets. But, like, that is going to be a large part of it. And I just I don't trust it for this season. I don't trust it for what they have right now. Um and so like I'm not very high on them come playoff time, but I think in the regular season they'll be they'll be really good.
0: Do you with Gary Trent Jr. having the player option that he will decline unless something goes wrong for 2023, uh do you think the Raptors will be prepared to pay him, which I think probably gets into the twenty plus million dollar range at this point? Um, or is this someone that we're sort of destined to see bandied about the the actual trade rumor mill. I already see teams like thirsting over him, but so like where do you sort of land on his future with Toronto?
1: I've gone like I've gone back and forth on it. I think there are people who speak about it like, oh, it's a definitive thing that like, oh, the Raptors are of course going to keep him or uh, like the Raptors are not going to be able to afford him and he's completely out the door. I don't know. I think when we talk about Fred Van Vliet, who also the Raptors are going to have to answer that question not long after Mm. the Gary Trent Jr. one, I think that's a guarantee. Uh, I think he's exactly what the Raptors were to need. I think they're going to pay him what he's worth on the market and I think he comes back. Gary is... Gary's a lot of what the Raptors need. I think we saw just how important he was for them. Speaking of finding any sort of offense in the half court, Gary's one of the only guys who can really do that. He was the most efficient ISO scorer for the Raptors last year. He had a, a stretch of games where, you know, he was rivaling Demar Rosen for 30-point nights. Um, and a large part of that is his ability to just develop offense for himself and I think I think a large part of like answering this question depends on what his role is on the team this year there are a lot of people who want him to come off the bench and think that Precious Achua should be starting and think that that's your best five-man lineup to run with um I personally I don't really have a stake on that just because he isn't he isn't a, a you know a Jordan Poole he isn't a Jamal Crawford he doesn't have the playmaking chops that they have he's not going to be able to um getting offense for himself is something that he can do. He's a great self-creator, but he can't really create for other people. Right. And also um, in the starting lineup, he is what your tertiary quadriary option. Uh, and a lot of times he's not getting double the ton. We're not really seeing him have to work with the best sort of defender on him. I think his best fit is probably with the starting lineup, but, what, whether the Raptors keep him depends on what his role is on the team. If they do move him to the bench and if those numbers do dip similar to, you know, Norman Powell when he was on the Raptors, then maybe you sort of have to move off of him um, just because you haven't really found a role and you want Precious to start. But I don't know that they want Precious to start right now. So it depends on what his role is on the team and it depends on how that looks. I'm going to be hopeful and optimistic that he remains, but I do think he probably prices himself out, especially looking at some of the contracts that some other guys are getting this this summer.
0: Yeah, I'm convinced that they're gonna trade him just because of that contract, paying Van Fleet, even Siakam's extension eligible right now. Um, and like you've already mentioned, the Raptors are also just prioritizing the bigger picture over everything. And they might be kicking themselves for the way they structured this deal with that third year player option. Um, but it just feels like they're gonna play the longer term and bet on like some of their projects panning out, and they'll bank on finding shooting and maybe some self starter offense um elsewhere. Yeah. Down the
1: I the line skill set is just and it is as important as he is to what this Raptors does he's probably the one person that you can look at and say yeah those exist in the NBA and you know we saw it with Norman Powell went out and got Gary Trent Jr. that skill set kind of exists in the NBA and is more replaceable than a 6'9 guy with a 7'2 wingspan who can guard all five positions
0: their defense assuming that the default mode remains just frenetic uh are they going to benefit more than like any other team from the enforcement of the take foul just by them being able to get out and transition and there's a team that didn't really get to the free throw line a ton a ton last year and so that then benefits them so i was thinking about that and just wondering if you see them really benefiting from that you know the way that the nba is going to try and enforce the take foul this year uh
1: yeah i mean just getting one is just like Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, the Increasing the flow of the game and increasing sort of like a frenzied pace, not being able to just sort of stop transition opportunities, one, will benefit the Raptors. Uh, getting to the line more will benefit the Raptors. I, I do see that as something that like, for sure, like it's just easy to say more chips at the basket, more more chances at the line, more. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's an easy, it's an easy yes, yes, I think so. Uh, But watch it just like on the opposite way. Actually, no, the Raptors don't really do a lot of take fouls. It's fine.
0: Yeah, and the other thing is just like there's no scenario in which they like calm down on defense, right? Like they're just going to be this tornado 48 minutes a game.
1: Yeah, I mean, to start last season, they were so weird, Um, especially because like I had to pot about the Raptors and write about the Raptors and nothing they were doing made sense because you look at the team and you're like, good defense, bad offense. And instead, they were, like, above league average in terms of their half-court offense to start the year, which yeah. is, like, what? And they were a bottom 10 defense, and you're, like, I, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> at the second half of the year, that all sort of changed, and you actually saw what the Raptors looked like when their bodies were healthy, uh, and they got more guys back. and to start the year out why they were so bad defensively part of that is because they played this frenzy styled offense, right? Like that's what it was. They gave up, they give up the most amount of corner threes, but they also blocked the most amount of corner threes um,
0: hashtag Chris so, forever.
1: <laughs> hashtag Chris um And so that's just like, that's part of the Raptor scheme is just to be as frenzied as possible. And the reason why they were so bad last year is because it's very difficult to work um, a, a rookie into that type of scheme. And they didn't care. They were like, you know, Scotty, you're going to learn like we might struggle initially, but you're going to learn. And also a guy like Gary Trent Jr., who, yeah, somehow had the reputation of being a good defender when he was in Portland, but then came to Toronto and was like, yeah, we don't defend like this in the Western Conference. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes, this was not the defense i had to play in the bubble when people thought i was good um and, uh which is like i'm paraphrasing but it's kind of a real quote from him he was just like yeah we didn't it wasn't this it wasn't this intense out west um and so having to work those guys in to the defense is why it was so bad and nick nurse is like I don't care that I have a rookie on my team that has to work into this. I don't care, Gary Trent Jr., that you're struggling. Um, and like, even in years b- before that, um, the Raptors had Stanley Johnson and, um, Uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson and they didn't get a single like minute in the early season. And we were like, why are they getting a single minute? And Nick Nurse is like, we play a championship level defense. If they can't keep up, they can't play. And I'm like, they're only in the league because of their defense. Like, what do you mean? Stanley Johnson can't crack your defense. But like Nick Nurse is like, we're going to play this level of defense. You either keep up or you're out. That's what the Raptors do. And I don't think that's going to change at all this year. And in fact, in the second half of the season, we saw Scotty really take leaps and strides defensively there. And um, having Pascal back, Fred was hurt, but having like all of your guys back really did sort of change what the outlook was. And I think in the second half of the season, they were a top six defense. And that's with a lot of guys being injured. So yeah, I think we're just going to see the same frenzied approach.
0: Uh, Are there, uh, well, per our YouTube comments, Christian Coloco is also a future all-star. Any early impressions of his game? Uh, Does he even get a chance at like, cracking this rotation tangentially is he going to one day lead the league and shots blocked outside the restricted area what is what is the lowdown on Christian Coloco
1: I'm thoroughly impressed with Christian uh I honestly wasn't sure what to expect but like he does kind of project to be a great rim protector and like watching him play in in you know these preseason games with the team I honestly thought he was just going to be completely out of his depths and yeah sure he's a rookie but he truly can like he's he's stronger than I thought he would be I was expecting someone who came in with like more of a Pascal Siakam sort of like frail frame but no he's he's a lot stronger than I thought he would be he kind of knows where to be in spots as well defensively which is something that like you don't really expect him granted he's still a rookie um but I do think that he'll probably get some minutes um Nick Nurse kind of does that with guys and just sort of throws them out there and you know what did you call it baptism by fire I think we're going to get a little bit of that but he'll see a lot of time in in the 905 and they're known to produce all NBA talent so who knows
0: Uh, Does this team have any strengths that you don't think are getting enough uh, attention leading into the regular season?
1: It's really interesting. So because the team really does consist of six, nine guys with seven, two wingspans, it's kind of easy to see what their strengths are. (laughs) It's it's kind of easy to look at them and be like, these are your strengths. These are your weaknesses. And like, yeah, they're kind of, (laughs) that's kind of what it is. I think uh, as a unit coming into it, I think people are sort of underscoring at least, when projecting where the Raptors finish, I think people are underscoring the continuity. They're the one team... I think that truly comes in with the same starting five, at least I made the playoffs last year that will be starting in this year. And I think, um, and they've also all been practicing with Rico Hines. I'm not sure how that's legal. I'm not complaining. Not sure. <laughs> like your, your assistant coach and your entire team basically practicing with each other for the majority of summer. Um, so they're coming in with real sort of reps um, and just the continuity that like you look around the Eastern Conference, I can't think of another team that has the same starting five last season that will be coming into this year and, and playing the same. I'm not sure that one exists.
0: Yeah, Milwaukee maybe, but Brolo missed most of the year there. Yeah,
1: that's a thing. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, that, that's a, it's not one I consider. So that, that's a great point. Um The 10-man rotation for this mm-hmm. team, that's one of my favorite exercises to go through leading into the season, trying to figure that out. For the Raptors, I had penciled in – seven locks with Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua, and then Otto Porter Jr. Are those players all locks if everyone's healthy, and how would you flesh out like those final three spots?
1: I think Ken Burch has to be in there as well.
0: Okay,
1: uh, Ken Burch is healthy. He was not healthy last season, and um, and that was very apparent um he's also like when we're talking about the Raptors and their ability to sort of maintain a semi-decent offense you mentioned it it's because they just attack the glass um and his offensive rebounding chops is the best on the team uh I don't even know if that's debatable at this point like he's just fantastic at it being there and getting it and um last season we couldn't really see him again like, it, it it his injuries really did like hamper what he was able to do offensively. And I don't know that we're going to, they tried it when he first came, they were like, can you space the floor a little bit? And they were like, Oh, we see why they didn't let you do that in Orlando pretty quickly. (laughs) Um, But but I do think that like he uh, just in terms of like, not even just with the bench lineups, but also with the starters, because you're going to want at times to just have a nominal five. And I think Precious should be that guy uh, for good stretches of it. But Ken Birch kind of feels like the adult in the room sometimes. And as much as I love Precious Achua, as high as I am on Precious Achua, um, I compared him to a toddler like <laughs> 10 minutes ago. So, like having that sort of sort of steady force, I think Ken Birch is going to play a major role on this team. I think, I think coming off the bench, he's kind of along with Otto Porter, along with Thaddeus Young, the adults in the room that kind of mellow out what this team is able to do. And because he is not one of the 6'9 guys, with the, he is 6'9, but not one of like the big, the big wings, he kind of plays a five, um, really does, I think, change what the Raptors does because he, he's the only person that like is truly a center, I guess, Precious as well uh, on the team. So I think he should factor into the top 10 in terms of the rotation guys. Uh, who else did you have there?
0: Um, so the other two that I would have penciled in, I had Banton since we were talking about him already. And then like Thaddeus Young guaranteed minutes here. Yeah,
1: I think so. Thaddeus Young is so important to what this Raptors, what, what this Raptors team does. I think so. I think just with like his playmaking, um, I think with his shooting, uh, I don't even know what it, what, what it was at, but like very clear that the Raptors just needed him on the court at times last year. He was the adult to sort of settle things because, his skill set is kind of exactly what you need on this team. Like I I honestly coming in, um, him coming in last year, I was like, yeah, if he could be the Bulls, Thaddeus Young, but like I don't, I don't even remember him on the Spurs. Like, what did he is he done? Like, I wasn't even sure, but no, he came in and he kind of provides exactly what this Raptors team needs. He doesn't really take much of a step back defensively, but also his playmaking, his his shooting, and just sort of the um I don't know how to explain, like when something—it's not as tangible as, like you know, pointing to the playmaking or the shooting—but like there is this just sort of adult presence with that young that is needed on this team. I don't know what like the tangible, like you know, value of that is, but yeah.
0: The best way I could describe him from someone who probably has not watched him nearly as much as you have since he was there, post trade deadline, is he's able to make players or the larger ecosystem better without having to put the ball on the floor or like look for shots i think that that's just like super important to have in certain units
1: yeah you're intangibles guy right like he he very much is that and he's i like i i have loved thaddeus young's game and i think that like it's so unfortunate that he's just been on the worst teams in basketball (laughs) like his career is so unfortunate um but he kind of just does what winning teams need you to do right like one of my favorite players one of my favorite raptors of all times, Amir Johnson along with Kyle Lowry and I think you know Kyle does it at an all-star like he's an all-star who also brings these things but like that yes young kind of reminds me of like just doing what this team sort of needs you to do similar to an Amir Johnson even if their skill set is not one in the same because I think that can do more <laughs> offensively
0: so the moral of this story though is that Chris Boucher is no longer guaranteed minutes on the oh bar, no,
1: right? no 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 oh Chris Boucher is certainly uh because here's the thing if Chris Boucher He's a great shot blocker. We saw it. Great shot blocker. And if he can bring back the three point shooting that he had, maybe not, like I think he was good in the corners last season, but nowhere else. If he can bring back the three point shooting that he had in the Tampa year, which is like the one bright spot on the court for the Raptors, um, and still play with the sort of shot blocking, his role on the team last year, I did a pod with William Lew and I was like, who do you think the Raptors' most improved player was? And he said, Chris Boucher he was like even if the numbers go completely down and the reason there was this game against Cleveland uh, last season for the Raptors where the entire team had COVID and so Chris Boucher was his time to shine <laughs> and so he got to be the focal point of the offense which is kind of what he had wanted it, I'm putting words into his mouth but like at the start of the season he was taking way too many shots it was just like there's 20 seconds left on the shot clock. You were not Pascal. Like, what are you doing?
0: <laughs> like, what,
1: the, what? Like, thought he was Kobe. Fadeaways over two defenders. Like, and, like you know, like he was trying to be the tween tween Hezy splash guy on the court. And it was like um, taking way too many threes. Like, really, really throwing them up. And. And then the game against Cleveland happened where um, the joke was that like, and it this is true, Nick Nurse was meeting some of the guys for the first time that were going to be playing for the Raptors in the locker room <laughs> the night of the game. <laughs> so like uh, COVID, uh, a pandemic, and uh, basketball is, is uh, you know, it, an interesting thing. But in that game where half of the team was just meeting each other for the first night, Chris Boucher was the focal point of the offense, and the Raptors lost by 50 to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that was a changed Chris Boucher's game for the entire year. He was like, I am not Pascal Siakam. I've learned that tonight. He had some comments. I wish I had them here. But there were really great comments where I think it was an eye-opening game for him where he was like... I can't do that, actually. Uh, and from that moment forward, it was great. He, like, was your sort of garbage man. He was attacking the glass. He was going up for second-chance points. He was blocking shots. He was running the court. Like, he – the Raptors play with such high energy, and Chris Boucher is the exact sort of guy that they need. It fits in perfectly with the ecosystem. So I think he probably I, – I mean, he certainly gets um, some time. And I think what we're sort of banking on is there's always going to be one person out for the Raptors because of how fancy they play. So there you go.
0: That or hopefully, even though the roster is not dramatically different, uh, we're not going to see Nick Nurse run the starters into the ground by logging like forty nine minutes per forty eight minute game this year.
1: Oh yeah I, I i don't I don't foresee that. I truly like as is- last season Chris Boucher was terrible to start the year like I'm gonna be completely honest there's a reason why William Lou called him you know the the MIP by the end of the season is because what we saw in the beginning of the year and what we saw at the end of the year he put ahead of Precious Achua <laughs> um, but like also Precious you know was a completely different player to start the year to at the end of the year, Pascal was obviously hurt. So like looking at the Raptors roster, there was only like four names, unless you trust the Goran Dragic, which um, <laughs> that um the Raptors could truly play. Yeah. And, and like now with the Thaddeus Young trade, with Ken Birch being healthy again, with your starters being healthy and Scotty Barnes, you know, taking that next step, Precious taking that next step. The Raptors really do have eight or nine guys, 10 or 11 guys that they can truly trust.
0: So, This is to some extent matchup dependent and probably especially for them. But what do you envision as their go-to closing unit? Is it going to be just the starting five or are they going to you know, wedge Precious Achua in there somehow? I mean, how do you close games without your best player, you know?
1: It's uh, the the age-old question. Um, It's interesting that you asked the closing lineup. I do think Precious is going to get a lot of time there. I don't know if you know this, but on Raptors Twitter or on Raptors just worlds in general, the hot topic is what is a starting five? I don't know why it's as hot of a topic as it is. Uh, and I think the the question is very similar to like, what's your closing five? I do think that Precious is probably going to slot in more a lot of times in that sort of closing five. And the reason why it's a hot button topic right now is everyone wants the Raptors to start a big. They want Precious Achua to start and they want Gary to move to the bench. I don't care. And I don't know why people are making such a big deal about it. And you think it's going to be matchup dependent. That's something that Nick Nurse has done. When he first came in, he was like, Serge- he has a
0: fluid five. He doesn't have a starting five. He has a, exactly. fluid,
1: he five. Has a fluid five. That's what he did with, you know, Serge Baca, Jonas Valanciunas. That's what he was going to do with uh, Pascal and OG until Pascal became too good. Um, and I, I think that that's probably what you're going to get this season as well with Precious and with Gary If you're going up against Joel Embiid, yeah, you're going to probably start Precious Achua. But on nights that you're not, you're probably not going to do that. Um, And um, so, yeah, so I think think your starting five is going to be the same starting five that you had last year. And I think your closing five, a lot of nights, I think you're going to probably slot in Precious ahead of Gary. I think the defensive numbers have kind of proven. And that five-man lineup, you know, people have been talking about their defense. They played 45 minutes last year. Not because they are so hurt there's like really no right. data to really pull from what they were able to do like precious with the rest of the starters played 45 minutes uh, as a five-man unit so there's not a lot of data to look into their offense was really not great but their defense was incredible in those times so i think we're going to see a lot of that and in times where precious is not starting it's just going to be gary in there because of what he sort of unlocks for your team offensively like why not put your five best guys out
0: The point you make about lineups in general amongst Raptors Twitter, I definitely understand it. And it's certainly with starting units can be pointless. Closing units, I guess, too, you could play the matchups. I think that is more instructive because you know in closing units, even like starters, there are going to be like a certain number of locks on a team. And so it's how do you flesh it out from there? I will say, watching the Knicks, I've grown appreciation for who's in the starting lineup because it can impact how the rest of your rotation plays out because we just assume these coaches are going to stagger. They won't play their starters a ton of minutes, but if you're starting Evan Fournier, well, Quentin Grimes um, and uh, Emmanuel quickly and Cam Reddish, they're starting off at a minutes deficit, especially because you know, Tom Thibodeau is also going to play Derek Rose a bunch off the bench, but I do agree with Raptors Twitter sentiment that the starting lineup is overrated. And we, we all know that. I mean, Nick nurse doesn't give a fuck about setting actual lineups; he'll just he'll futz and fiddle with those. This question is, I think stupid for this team because it's their default. But is there a weirdo, quirky, bonkers, off-the-beaten-path lineup you want to see Nick Nurse try this year?
1: Vision 6'9", baby. <laughs> no one under 6'9", on the court.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, like it's, uh, Maybe can we figure out a way to get like Precious Achua as the primary ball handler surrounded by shooters? So it's just Precious Achua with... We're going to have to stash Gary Trent Jr. off the ball. We'll call OG Ananobi a shooter for these purposes. Chris Boucher is a shooter. That's we have great. auto
1: now. Sorry, Gary. You you don't meet the height requirements.
0: Oh, yeah, We're going right. all 6'9". All...
1: We're
0: running yeah. out of trustworthy shooters, though, pretty quickly. 6'5 keep... is
1: too short. Um, and here's the thing. As much as we believe in Precious Achua, Precious Achua believes in Precious Achua so much more. <laughs> if he is on the court with those guys he will be it doesn't matter like he is running the offense
0: Um, alright so let's have Pascal Siakam there standing in the corner while Precious just (laughs) runs the half court offense I'm game to see that
1: I would be so down you have have OG as your two of course you know (laughs) so you've got him sort of camped out in one corner you've got Precious do you have like who are we going to have we're going to have Boucher as your five of course you know, I, he can,
0: he will, maybe he can't shoot, but he will shoot. So, that, oh, like, yeah, that, that's
1: there's, it. there's like the, um, my favorite thing about both Precious and Chris Boucher is like, you will go five games in a row with zero assists between them. Um, <laughs> and like, despite like, I don't know, 10 shot attempts per game. Um, yeah, they're, they're not ones to really pass the ball. It'll be fun to watch, you know, playmaker Precious considering, you know, it, He's the star of his own show, and everyone else is just there as decoys.
0: Oh, and Otto Porter Jr. would work. There we go. Yeah, that's so your three-point
1: shooter. You have hit me six, nine and can space the floor. Sorry, Gary.
0: And so we just have to make sure that Pascal Siakam doesn't get in the way of Precious was ball handling, because then we would have to pull him and just go with somebody else.
1: So Pascal is going to be camping out on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> he knows his role on this team.
0: Yeah, he gets P.J. Tucker duty in Houston now, all of a sudden. There uh, we go. As we're recording this, Toronto's win total over under is set at 46.5. Would you hit the over or the under on that?
1: Over. Here's the thing. The Raptors um, have gone over their win total for Vegas, I think 10 of the last 11 years or something ridiculous like that. Basically Kyle Lowry's entire tenure with the Raptors, except the Tampa year and the Tampa year completely tossed out. So that's the one year um, where they did not go over their win total. So Yeah, like they won 48 games last year. I'm not necessarily sure why they're expected to lose more games considering all of the health issues that they had and how poor they really started off. They were, you know, a bad team to start the year off with the continuity, with the, you know, guys, the internal development from guys as well. I think you should expect a better team than what you had last year. Um, So, yeah, I, I think it's an easy over.
0: Uh, I like I've hit way too many overs doing these podcasts. So I I actually did our win total over under podcast for every team. And I stuck with the over on the Raptors. It just seems so easy for me for all the reasons you outlaid. I guess wins could be tougher to come by in the East with sort of Cleveland on the come up and like, what if the Knicks are better? But I think it's an easy over. My question to you though, is not how many teams could be, but how many teams would you expect to be better than the Raptors in the East this season?
1: I think that's like, I guess my question to you, just to sort of clarify, are we talking better in terms of more wins in the regular season? Yeah, or just the like like seeding, season?
0: because I think, honestly, okay. I, I might put the Raptors higher in my seeding pecking order than I would in like my playoff threat level at this point because of their half-court offense.
1: That's exactly where I am with the Raptors. I don't think that they're going to be, you know... Up- I would not be surprised if they lost in the first round. Like, that's kind of where I have them pegged at, which I'm sure a lot of Raptor fans are not going to be totally, you know, happy with that. But I think that there's just way too many teams that are really good in the Eastern Conference. I think, like, I can see them winning more games. And in fact, I do believe that they'll win more games than a Miami Heat. But I think the Miami Heat would destroy them in a playoff series. Like, I think the Miami Heat are a better team than them in the playoff series. But, you know, Jimmy and Kyle's age... I think the Raptors are not going to take the foot off the gas. And I can see a team like Miami not necessarily needing to gun for that one seed because they just did that a year ago. Um, So (laughs) I'm absurdly high on this team. I initially.
0: I would only have, (laughs) for the record, the Sixers and the Bucks as the teams that I would actually pencil in front of.
1: Okay. Because I was going to say, I initially had them as a three seed. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right because Bo- boston and miami and even cleveland are could bes, but in terms of just i would predict this um I'm boston's high just
1: high on cleveland doing
0: it i'm in exceedingly high on cleveland but it's when you're integrating someone who's so prominent and so new um i'm just wondering if there's going to be sort of like a slow roll there That's but why, yeah. and then boston i just don't robert williams the knee stuff and That's- horford's older the front court rotation like you need Noah Vonleh or fiondu cabangeli or Blue Cornet to play at this point, so I could Boston and Cleveland are could be, but I am wondering. So let's say they're the third seed, that's like they're
1: But I want to say, since finding out about the Brooklyn Nets, I'm kind of like, all right, maybe the fourth seed. <laughs> I but,
0: don't know. That's the other thing too. Is like the Nets for a team. Maybe they just got like all their bullshit out over the off season and everything. Actually, will be okay now. I wouldn't. I'm. I'm just gonna assume they implode. Um, but if the Raptors are like the, let's just say there are two teams in front of them. They're the three seed leading into the trade deadline. Is this a team that's still gonna stick to its guns? a standing pattern? Could you see them looking at, no, it's not because Kevin Durant's available. They have the opportunity to actually make what would be a buy now trade. That's for a non-star, maybe for someone who just fits what they need on offense a little bit more, or are they just going to be, you know what, if the three seed is just sort of serendipity of us developing, Hey, that's fine. We're, We're cool with it. We don't need to do anything.
1: I think that's exactly going to be it. I think it's it's the, the second option there. And the reason for that is that's exactly what they did with the Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan teams. Yeah, those were great regular season teams and not great playoff teams. But what we saw was like, okay, um, let's see what this team sort of looks like and let's give them a runway. And then, yeah, they started to add in pieces like, you know, DeMar can't shoot, not a great defender, so let's bring in a P.J. Tucker. Let's bring in guys that can kind of mask some of his deficiencies. I don't know that they're there yet with this Raptors team. I think it's very much, let me see what you guys have. Before starting to look at improving the teams on you know the, the the periphery, and I I don't know that they're going to really jump the gun because they don't have to. Mm. Scotty is a sort of focal point of what this team is and what this team can be. If they're going to take that leap, it's because Scotty Barnes has taken that leap. Um, I'm not really expecting it for this season necessarily, and I don't know that the Raptors are really in a rush considering he's 21. So um, I think for them, it's just like, let's continue this. Cause I think you look at Fred and you're like, yeah, he can continue being, you know, he's going to be playing off ball a ton. He can continue just throwing up shots. And if he continues to hit them at the rate that he's hitting them at, Great. That's what you need from him. And with Pascal Siakam, I think people focus in on his age a little bit too much. I don't know what it means that he's 28. Uh, he continues to get better. And he started playing basketball at like 16. So, like, I don't know. I don't know that like focusing in specifically on his age really matters. I think this team is built around Scotty Barnes and what Scotty Barnes can become. And so the Raptors are going to be as patient as possible and not necessarily make any moves that could speed up their trajectory because if Scotty's not there yet, it doesn't matter.
0: So, their biggest trade deadline move will be instructing Fred Van Fleet to take five additional spot up three pointers per game. Is what Basically, we
1: basically. Like and th- that's really what his goal is on this team, and like in the second half of the season last year, he shot twenty nine percent because he was coming back from like knee serious knee injuries, and they were that kind of forcing was so him back
0: last year.
1: Oh, so, so bad! It was up. so bad, and even still, I think on the season he was what like ten attempts per game at thirty eight percent, and that's with him shooting twenty nine percent for like the final twenty games of the season. So um, yeah, that's basically his his role on the team. And yeah, the Raptors are just going to be as patient as possible. That's exactly what they did with Kyle and Damar. And I see no difference considering they've got a 21 year old. They're building around
0: anything about this team. We haven't discussed that. You think we still need to be touched upon.
1: I mean, we, we, I think we covered a lot of it. There's like they're an interesting team, but like when you get down to it, it's just like it's just a bunch of six nine guys. And like we're just watching them. It's their world. Like I don't. <laughs> there's not much. There's not much else that makes the Raptors besides their insane length and what they're able to do defensively. Defensively, just by playing such at such a frenzy pace and just sort of closing the gaps. And you know if they can open up space on their end, because I think part of it is like, yeah, you're closing the gaps on the defensive end, but also on your offensive end as well, because then you guys can shoot at all, uh, which is kind of the problem with having guys with such long limbs. Um, But you know, if they can learn to sort of space the floor, if they can open up space on their end on offense, offensively and develop some of the, their young guys along, whether it be Scotty or OG uh, or Precious Achula or Pascal Siakam, the, the sky's the limit for this team. And I think for this season in particular, it's just watching these guys grow and seeing what they can become. Because even as we're talking about these lineups, some of them played 45 minutes and people are banking on them as being the starting lineup. Who knows oh. with what this team is going to be? We just have not seen enough of it
0: uh aman this was great as always thank you for giving me so much of your time in case anyone skipped the intro you're able to tell our listeners where they can find you and all the great work that you do
1: uh thank you uh yeah so you can find me on uh yahoo sports canada i host a, host a Raptors show there i'm also doing some video content for them and i'll be writing for them this year along with basketball news and just freelancing all over the place um and also check out dishes and dimes every week
0: Um, I echo everything she said. She's a great follow on Twitter, too, so go follow her immediately. And as you know by now, I will be spamming your DMs in the future, maybe sooner than you think if Precious Sachua winds up in the All-Star, MVP, All-NBA discussion.
1: Yeah, let's do it. The entire All-NBA team will just be Raptors. Also, entire All-Defensive team will just
0: be Raptors. I'm here for it. Let's (laughs) manifest it.